Hey everybody, this is Rich Phipps and I'm the lead pastor of Grace Collective Church. Welcome to our podcast. Whether you're a part of our local church family or a part of our online community, we're so glad that you're here. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. Hey, how many of you know that Christmas is a season of questions? If you have kids or you've ever been a kid, you know this to be true, that the season of Christmas is really a season of questions. Questions like these, like how much longer until, or what do you want for, or hey, when do we get to go see Santa, or do you think we'll have snow, or how much have we spent, or your parents or my parents this year? There are a lot of questions, and they're good questions when we come to this season of Christmas. Uh, and and these are good questions. Maybe those are your questions. Um, maybe, maybe you have other questions as well. But let me tell you this morning, there are four questions, four questions that I believe everyone needs to ask as we get into the Christmas season. Uh, these are questions that you need to ask whether you're, you believe in Jesus or don't believe in Jesus. Whether you follow Jesus, by the way, how many of you know that believing, um, what we call believing in Jesus and what we call following Jesus are two different things? Like when we, in our culture, we talk about believe, that's like a mental assent that something exists. It's, it's like the, the Christmas M&M commercial, right? Where the two M&Ms walk into the room and Santa's in the room and they look at each other and they're like, he does exist. And, they're, and he's like, they do exist. And they both faint, right? That, that's what we say when we say, I believe in something, we we're giving mental assent that it does exist. But you know that Jesus in that context never said, believe in me. Like when Jesus said, hey, believe in me, the wording actually means follow me. It actually means uh, put your faith in me, trust me, live for me. It was different than a mental assent. This is the reality of, of my life now being covered in Christ's life. And so Jesus never really said, believe in me. Jesus said, follow me. So there's a difference. But whether you believe in Jesus or follow Jesus or don't believe in Jesus or don't follow Jesus, you need to ask these four questions. Uh, These are, I think, the four most important questions you'll bring to Christmas. And here they are. Number one, in the context of Christmas, what did God do? Why did God do it? How did God do it? And what does it mean to me? What, What did God do? Why did he do that? How did he do that? And what does it mean to me? Whether you believe slash follow or don't believe or follow Jesus, these are questions that you really need to begin asking as we get into the Christmas season. Uh, And so what we're going to do for these next, today and two more weekends, two more Sundays, and then Christmas Eve, even Christmas Eve, you hear about about that schedule at the end of the service, we're going to answer all four of these questions. And I'm telling you, these are questions that are so basic. Like if, if you're online today or you're here today and you're not yet believing or following Jesus, these are the questions. When you dig into these, these will become a catalyst for a brand new faith for you. And if you're already a follower of Jesus, then these are questions that can, can jumpstart uh, maybe what is a stalled out already faith in you. So I think it's so important for us to cover these. And we're going to start today with the first one in the context of Christmas, like what did God do? What did God do? If if, if you're a Christian, if, if, you know, if you're like, hey, what did God do? I hope, and you probably do this, but I hope you go immediately to, well, 
the birth of Jesus. And, and, and you're going to read about that, and you're going to talk about that, and so you're going to get your Bible out, and your turn pages, or, or you're going to hit your Bible app, and you're going to click on something near the beginning of the New Testament, probably one of the Gospels, like maybe Luke, right? Or maybe you're going to read from the Gospel of Matthew, and you're going to read stuff like this, how an angel came to Mary, and the angel said to Mary, hey, Mary, guess what? You've been chosen of all the women of all of history. You're the person who you're going to bear the Son of God. And you're going to read about how Mary's like, oh, me, wow, that's, that's really big and important. And how's that going to happen? And the angel describes it to her. And then you're going to hear Mary's amazing song of faith. And she says, may it be unto me as the Lord has spoken. And you're going to find out how Mary then goes and visits her, her relative Elizabeth and her husband, Zachariah. They are both older in life, never had kids, but they're going to have a miraculous baby also. And, and spoiler alert, uh, they're going to name him John, and he's going to grow up to be John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, which is super cool. Then Mary comes back to Joseph, and Joseph's like, hey, you're pregnant. And Joseph was her fiance, and it's not my baby, so um, we're done. But an angel came to Joseph also and said, hey, Joseph. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because the babe that is in her is a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. And, and Joseph's like, hey, that's good enough for me. An angel comes and tells me something like that. Yeah, that works for me. Come be my wife. Then you're going to read about how they took this very long and difficult journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And while they were there, there was no room in the guest room for them. And so they had to kind of camp out where the animals were in a stable-like setting and, and how the, the baby Jesus was born. And you can read about all those things. And then while they're sitting there in the aftermath, you know how great that is after a baby's born and mom and dad are like, this is all just warm and fuzzy. These dirty, stinky shepherds come bursting into the room or in the stable. Like, oh my gosh, you don't believe it. We just saw angels. They're like, hey, we did too. And you read about the angels. And then you're going to read about the wise men who didn't actually show up until two years later, but they're in your manger scene on your mantle, so you might as well put them in the story now, right? So you're going to read about the, the, the wise men showing up with these gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You're going to read all those things. You're going to look at all those things because every time you look at your Christmas cards on your table or your mantle or your counter, wherever they are, they tell the whole story, just illustrated. And if I were to say to you, hey, what did God do? And you're a follower of Jesus. That's what you're going to. But let me, let me tell you something this morning. The story of what God did does not begin with the birth of a baby in a manger. What God did at Christmas begins earlier. If you want to get to the beginning of the story, you need to go to the beginning of the story. And so what you have to do is flip back in the pages of your Bible or, or scroll back to a different book in the Bible the whole way back through the Old Testament till you get to the very first book of the Bible, which is Genesis. The first book, the first chapter, in fact, the very first verse. And it reads this way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that's the beginning of the Christmas story. It doesn't sound very Christmassy, does it? No ribbons, no bows, no lights, no presents, no angels singing, not even a star. Like, it was darkness. It was nothingness. It was just nothing at all. But here is God in the middle of nothing doing something, you know, what, this, this whole part of what God did, part of Christmas, begins with what God did in creation. God created. And here's why this is important. What God did, like in creation, tells us who God is. What God did in creation tells us who God is. He is God. He was before everything else, before anything else existed. God existed and he made everything on earth. He created life. And I love the story about these scientists 
who thought that they could recreate life because they found out how to, like in, in their little beaker with dirt, they could um, create something that was, became alive. And so they took their, their stuff to, to God one day and they said, hey, God, we can do what you did. And they put the dirt in their beaker and they poured some goo in there and they put electrodes on it and they charged it a few times and something began to bubble and, and to come alive. And they're like, see? And very proud, they held it out to God for God to see. And God said, oh, next time, get your own dirt. <laughs> right? This is God who created the dirt. This is God who was before anything and everything else. Like out of nothing, God created everything. And I don't know if you think you have a better explanation for how things happened or not. You, you can think some other things, but I believe very, very strongly, uh, absolutely, in the historical biblical narrative that God created everything. God created the heavens and the earth, everything in and on the earth, everything that runs and walks and cries and swims and jumps and flies and, and laughs, everything that grows, everything. God created. God is the creator of everything. And right now, if you're like mentally checking out because you don't believe that or, or you're about to get up out of your seat and sort of like walk out or if you're online and you're about like, I don't believe that. I'm going to see what's on Wonderful Life today. And I, let me just encourage you to hang with us for a little bit longer because I think this is so, so uh, important. If, if you've never believed or maybe you've given up believing in who God is or who Jesus is, it may be because you started in the wrong place. It may be because you started like the Christmas story with the birth of Jesus. And when you start at the wrong place, you usually end up at the wrong place. And some of you have been there, and some of you may be there. Like, I, I just can't get my head wrapped around a virgin birth, right? I, so, so if that's your starting point and you can't understand that, your faith may end in the same place. But there's something way, way, way more important than a virgin birth. In fact, did you know that the virgin birth never saved anybody? You know that when Jesus was born, he lived for 33 years before he died. And during that entire time, you don't read about anybody saying, woohoo, I'm a, I'm a Christian now because of a virgin birth. Nobody said that. In fact, when Jesus died, even though there was the virgin birth, the movement died with him. In fact, his closest friends and followers gave up on it, even though there was a virgin. They didn't sit around saying, well, I'm sorry, the plan fell. But there was the virgin birth, so I'm still in. You know what they did? They went back to fishing. They gave up on the, the whole thing they were part of for, for the three years they were with him. Until three days later. Until three days later, when Jesus, who was crucified and dead, and buried, rose from the grave. That's when they said, oh, oh, now I get it. That's when the virgin birth made sense. That's when the miracles made sense. That's when the healings made sense. That's when the teachings made sense. No one's going around, hey, the virgin birth, that clinches it or doesn't clinch it for me. So if you can't get your head wrapped around a virgin birth, it's okay. I'm not going to convince you of that. I believe in it fully that Jesus was born of a virgin because God said it happened. But if you're not there yet, okay, I understand your, your, your doubt about that. But don't let that be the starting point or the ending point of your faith because it's not supposed to be. And my job is not to convince you of a baby that was born from a virgin. My job is to connect you to a Savior who is risen. 
And once you get that, and once you get him, virgin birth, no problem. I get it. So, so please don't start at the wrong place so that you don't end at the wrong place. If you're about to check out because we're pushing on the boundaries of your belief, stay with us a little bit longer because I honestly believe that the next 20 minutes can change your life. Here we go. Let's get back to the beginning of the Christmas story, which is not the virgin birth. It is the fact that God is the creator. According to biblical history, after God created the first people, their names were Adam and Eve, they enjoyed a wonderful relationship with him. Some of you know this. You've read from Genesis. You know how they were just in perfect harmony with each other. Wouldn't that be great, husbands and wives? Like, they probably never fought. They probably never had harsh words with each other. They never walked away angry from each other. They were just loving each other, and they were loving relationship with God. Like, God came to visit them all the time, every day. They went with walks with God in the evening. Can you imagine that? Hey, God, holding hands, walking along the meadows with God, right? And they're talking, and they're walking, and they're enjoying each other's presence in relationship. See, God created humankind. That, that's that's how he, did, that's how he um, finished his creation. He said it was very good. And listen, what's so great is this, is this is a creator and created. Infinite and finite. Just doing life together. And it's not like God was lonely. That's not why God created us. How many of y'all are parents? How many of you are not admitting your parents? Because I'm looking at some of you, your hand didn't go very high. Like Marsha and I are parents. We have three kids. Most of you know that already. We, we didn't start having kids because we were lonely. Like we, didn't, we weren't sitting around our house looking at each other and saying, I'm so tired of looking just at your face. <laughs> we, we, we need some more people. We need some more faces in this house because I'm just too lonely. Uh, Mar- Marsha may have thought that about me. I didn't think that about her. You know, sitting around looking at her probably led to having kids, I'm just saying. But, but the reality is we, we didn't start a family because we were lonely. We didn't start having kids because we needed more responsibilities in our lives or more to do in our lives. And we're not royalty, so we didn't start a family because we need to keep the family line going. We started a family. We started having kids, much like if you have kids, you probably did too, because we just love life. And because we are created in the image of the creator, we are creative. Dang, Tyler, we should have put that on screen. That was a good one. Because we are created... In the image of the creator, we are creative, and he created life. And so in some way, I think Marsh and I, and probably most of us, like, how, how can we be a part of what God did in creating life and sustaining relationship in life? And so that's why we started raising kids. We, we, we love life, and we want to share life at a whole new level beyond what we share with our friends, beyond what we share even with our spouse. And so God loves life, and so God created mankind to be in relationship with him so we can celebrate life with him and celebrate we have, that we have life from him and honor him and praise him because of that life. God, God created us for that, and everything was great with God and his kids until we broke relationship with him. And you know this. We're the ones that broke trust with God. If, if you've ever read, and even if you've never read it, you've heard about it. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe never been in church, you've heard about Adam and Eve. You, you heard what we believe, how they, they didn't make a mistake, right? Because what do, mis- what do mistakes make us? Mistakers, right? We're not mistakers. Um, when when, when what they did what they did, the reality is 
God calls that sin, which makes us sinners. That's different than mistakers. Like, mistake's what you do in math class. Mistake's something when you forget something. We're not mistakers, we're sinners. God called that sin what they did. And here's the hard part for some of us to swallow. What the original people, inhabitants of earth did when Adam and Eve sinned, that affected all of us, infected all of us. We carry that sin in our bodies today. You are born into sin. That's what God teaches us. So we're carrying sin. And because of their original sin and because of the sin we now carry with us, the sin nature with us, I know it's hard to grasp, but just, just go with me on this. But because we carry that, because of what happened, it doesn't just go away. We broke relationship with God, and it doesn't just go away. And, and if you're thinking, how do I understand that? Well, easy, because you do this in your own life. If, if your boyfriend or girlfriend cheats on you, if your husband or your wife has an affair on you, if your neighbor lies to you, if your friend betrays you, that doesn't just go away, does it? When someone breaks relationship with you, when someone breaks trust with you, they have to do what? earn it back, right? If someone breaks your trust, what do they have to do? Earn it back. It doesn't just go away. Something has to be done. And if you're the person that it was done to, don't you hold that over them a little bit? Don't you say, hey, you made a decision. It was wrong. It wasn't a mistake. It was sin, whatever it is. You did this. You made that decision. So now I'm making a decision that our relationship is broken, and I don't trust you. If you ever want to be back in a right relationship with me, you have to earn my trust. You have to pay the price. You have to build the bridge back to make this relationship work. When we broke sin, when we broke relationship with God, we broke relationship and we broke trust with him. But that's what makes this whole what God did so extraordinary. We're the ones who messed up. We're the ones who broke trust. We're the ones who should be doing the makeup after the breakup. God had every right to look at us and say, y'all got to work for it now. Y'all got to do the work. You got to pay the price. You're the ones who have to build the bridge to get back to me. I'm setting some boundaries and you're not allowed, not allowed near me until you prove yourselves to be trustworthy. God had every right to say, all of that to us. But that's not what God did. He's the one that did the work. He's the one that paid the price. He's the one that built the bridge. God made a way for us, for you and for me, to come back into a right relationship with him. Here's what God did. Let me read this to you. This is now from John chapter 1. So we went from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, now beginning in John chapter 1, verse 1. It goes like this. In the beginning, whoa, that sounds just like what we read in Genesis, doesn't it? In the beginning. But this is not the same beginning. See, the one in Genesis, in the beginning, meant the beginning of creation. But this, if you render this correctly from the original language, would be rendered this way. In the beginning of the beginning of the beginning of the beginning of the beginning. Like way before Genesis 1 ever started, way before creation was ever created, Way before God began forming out of nothingness, way before Genesis 1-1, 1, 1, 
in that beginning, way back before Genesis, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing has been made that has, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word, there's that word again from way back in verse 1. The Word is the same thing that John wrote a few verses ago. The Word that was in the beginning, at the beginning, the beginning. The Word that was with God. The Word that was God. The Word that is God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. Can you imagine John writing this from, from you know, years after knowing Jesus, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, when all the other stuff started to make sense? He's like, the glory. You won't believe the glory we saw. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. By the way, he is a name, and his name is Jesus. This is what God did. God became a man. God became one of us. God became like us so he could fix a bro broken relationship with us. My relationship with him and your relationship with him. This is what God did. This was so unheard of. Listen, in every other world religion, you would wake up in the morning you think about whatever false god or goddess your family worship. You think, okay, today, how do I appease my god so they don't strike me dead? And you would take offerings of, of sacrifice to their altar. And you do this day in and day out. And the same was true of the Jewish people. Every time they messed up, they would say, okay, I've sinned. I need to take a sin offering to my God. And it was a blood sacrifice, you know, doves or a ram or, or goats or whatever it was. And, and they would offer this. And for, for generation after generation, they were in this cyclical pattern. I mean, that's, that's what the, the temple was for. That's what the priest's job was. They took the sacrifices on behalf of the people and offered them to God. So year after year and decade after decade and, and century after century and generation upon generation, God's people were caught in this, in this cycle, break trust, build trust, break trust, build trust, behave, misbehave, believe, disbelieve. And so they had to keep bringing a sacrifice over and over. But now John just announced to us something new has happened. God has come to us. God made himself vulnerable and approachable. I mean, what, what's more vulnerable and approachable than a, than a baby? This is God, the one who created everything out of nothing, making himself nothing to give you everything. This is what God did. God came in the form of a baby. God God came and God broke the cycle of, of sacrifice and instead of anger and unforgiveness and instead of you bringing sacrifices to the altar, instead of repeating the ritual, instead of making you and me work to rebuild relationship to prove we can be trusted to somehow earn back his love, God came and sacrificed everything. That's what God did. And just like that, the God of the universe, the God who created the world, Genesis 1, just like that, God put himself into the world, into your world. 
literally within sight and sound. God put himself within reach for you and for me and for everybody. That's what God did. Why did God do that? That's for next week. You got to hang on to that one. But for today, let me, just, let me just tell you this. Today, you can come back into relationship for the first time or the 100th time with this God who did everything that you need. Even though you and I are the ones who broke the trust, who broke the relationship, who should be paying the price, we can come into relationship with that God because he paid the price already for you. Isn't that amazing? That's what God did. That's what God, so no matter who you are, where you are, where you come from, where you don't come from, this is what God did. This is God ready for you to reach out to him. And the cool thing is scripture tells us the moment, like the, the second you begin thinking about God, like God, can I really, you turn your head towards God and God is already racing, racing, racing towards you. I've been waiting for you. I've been planning for you. I am so ready for you. And I'm telling you this morning, if you want to reach out to God, this God who put himself within reach for you, you can do that. You can do this this morning. All you have to do is say to him, Jesus, I'm ready. Not I'm perfect. Not I got it all together. Not I'm working on it. Not I'll get back to you when I get better. Jesus, I'm just ready. I'm ready for you to be working on me. I'm ready for you to be putting my life back together. I'm ready for you to do what only you can do. You can do that this morning. In fact, whether you're here in person or you're watching online, I'm going to invite you to do that. If you want to do that this morning, we're going to pray together in about three seconds. And I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Let's just bow our heads. Nobody has to get up or do anything else. Let's just pray. And today, if you want to reach out to the God who put himself within reach, then just pray this with me, either out loud or in your, in your own heart. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, not just a mistaker. I know I don't deserve what you've done. I know there's nothing I can do to make up the relationship that I was a part of breaking. But Jesus, today, if what I heard is true, you've done all the work for me anyway. And so, Jesus, today, I'm just coming to you, telling you that I am ready. In fact, Jesus, I am more than ready because I need you. I need you for the challenges I'm facing. I need you for the changes I'm going through. I need you for the fears that I face. I need you for the valleys I'm walking through. I need you. I am so ready for something new in my life. And Jesus, I've tried a lot of things, but today I'm ready to try you. Jesus, I'm ready. Thank you for what you've done for me. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now, today, friends, if you prayed that prayer, if you prayed that for the first time, or maybe you prayed that for the 10th time, if you prayed that prayer, let us know because we want to walk alongside of you in this. If you've just started or restarted a relationship with Jesus, letting Jesus in, 
making yourself vulnerable to the one who made himself first vulnerable for you, then let us know that. And you can do that very, very simply. Just text the word SAVED to the number you're going to see on the screen, 412-467-0533. You can pull your phone out right now and do it. In, we, we encourage phones in church for this reason, right? But just text the word SAVED and connect with us. You'll get a text back from us. You'll begin a relationship with us more than maybe you have right now. And we would love to begin to walk with you, talk with you, pray with you. And most of all, we'd love to get you into, into a life group. Life groups are the heartbeat and, the, and the, uh, the pulse of Grace Collective Church. We believe that's where real discipleship happens. A life group is a group of people who are just like you, who are on the journey with you. And you get together, you meet together when it's good for the group to meet, and you begin to talk about these questions. You begin to talk about things going on in your life, and you begin doing life together with other people who are already doing life with Jesus. So text the word SAVE to that number today or at any point, and we'd love to get with you uh, on that. So uh, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, what we're going to do right now uh, is we're going to celebrate what God did for us, that God came, that God made himself vulnerable, that God gave himself entirely for us so that we can step into relationship, renewed relationship with him. And we're going to do that by something that we call in church world, Holy Communion. And again, if you're new with us, um, this is something, um, if you follow Jesus, if you're a believer in Jesus, you're welcome to partake. But if not, you don't have to. Just let this be a time when believers do this is what it's for. This is a time where we celebrate that Jesus came and he paid the price. And he paid the price not by bringing a ram or a lamb or something else to sacrifice, but Jesus gave himself as a blood atonement, a blood payment as the sacrifice for your sin and my sin, and the sin of all humankind. So it happened like this. Jesus, on the, he knew it was the last night of his life. He was with his closest friends, and they were in what we call the upper room. It's just an upstairs room uh, in a house in Jerusalem. And knowing it was the last night of his life, he decided to do something really, really unique and special. At the dinner table that night, he took the bread, and if you want to, just open up the top part of your cup there. And he took it didn't look like this <laughs> at all. It was, it was unleavened bread. It was just what they ate is what they had at the table for this special meal called Passover. He took their form of the bread, like we're going to take this form of our bread. And he said to them, take and eat of this, all of you. I'm choosing to do this for you. And if you would receive it and you would join me in it, then take and eat. And they took and they ate. If you're ready to receive Jesus again today, to believe in him and follow him, let us take together. And likewise, when the meal was over, you know, there's nothing magic about the bread or the, the juice. It's what it represents. And the promise that Jesus made in it. And the promise we received from it. So after the bread, Jesus took the cup and he said, you know, this is, this is my blood poured out for you. I'm willing to pay the price so that you and I can get back into right relationship again. And this morning, if that's what you're after, if that's what you want, if that's what you need, then this cup is for you. And if you're ready, partake with me. Jesus, it's so good to be reminded of what you've done 
that you made yourself so vulnerable that we get to reach out to you today and find that you're already reaching out to us. And Lord, we give you thanks for this. But Lord, that the story doesn't stop there with us. It stops, it, it just starts here with us now to keep on going to people around us who don't know the hope and don't know the joy that you brought into the world. And so Jesus, as we have remembered what you have done, so now we offer ourselves as living sacrifices for you, that others may come, our family and our friends and our neighbors and strangers we meet, that we might tell them the great good news that you have come because God, this is what you did for us. Jesus, thank you. In your name we pray, amen. Now, I know some of you are wondering right now, like, hey, but Rich, where's the weekly ask? Because we're waiting for the end of the message every single week. I know it's burning on your hearts. Well, we got that for you. So here's the weekly ask this week. And if you're new with us, weekly ask is just how you take the message home with you and take it a little bit further. Uh, this is how we want you to have conversations with people. Maybe someone who, who you brought for the first time to church today, or maybe um, someone who you sit with every single weekend. Uh, maybe if you're at home, you can get some friends with you and talk about this and have a watch party next weekend at your house. But wherever you are, here's the weekly ask. Question number one, how does understanding who God is give you a better understanding of what God did? How does understanding who God is, the creator, maybe give you a better lens to look through and understand what God did at Christmas. Number two, how is what God did making a difference in your life? Talk about that with whoever it is you need to talk with. And the third one is our talking point. If you're a parent, we give you a talking point weekend that you can talk with your kids about all week long. They're talking about this downstairs, so you can continue the conversation with them. The talking point this week is seriously what the title of the message, what did God do? Look at what God did. And you can spend this week talking with your kids about that. Hey, what we're going to do right now is go back into some more worship time. And if you need some more time with Jesus about what God did and what that means for your life, well, use this time to really let your heart get vulnerable before him this morning. Would you stand as we sing a little bit more together today? Hey everyone, thanks for listening to our podcast. I hope you found something practical to use in your life today. At Grace Collective, our mission is to connect people to Jesus. Everyone, everywhere, every day. You can visit gracecollectivechurch.com to learn more about our church and how you can get involved.